What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Before we get into things, as always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Make sure to hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Leave the five-star reviews where you can. All of those are ways to help us grow and spread the show. On today's episode, we'll be diving into the first round of Bracketology. We're marching towards the month of April, April 1st being there on Saturday. We're heading into the final stretch of the season right here, the second season, if you will, has started or will have started for every single team in college cross when the sun sets on Saturday as the A-10 and the Big East get play underway this weekend. Talk a little bit about some games pertaining to this weekend on the back half of this show, but I'm going to get right into here uh, with the Bracketology portion here, and we'll be talking Bracketology every Tuesday hereabouts from now until you know, selection Sunday there on May 7th, I believe uh, it is. So before we get into things, want to remind you all a bit about how the tournament works. For those who don't know, those who may have forgotten. Um, so 17 teams in the tournament this year. You have automatic qualifiers from the America East, from the A-Sun, the Atlantic 10, the Big East, the Big Ten, the CAA, the Ivy League, the MAC, and the Patriot League. So that is nine automatic qualifiers that you will have there in the men's tournament. The NEC and the SOCON disbanded after last season as lacrosse conferences. So those are no more. Also, with two leagues disbanding and just one, the A-10, coming in, you will now have... Uh, we go back to just one playing game uh, there in the tournament. So you'll have one playing game. The uh, lowest-rated automatic qualifiers will play in that game, and the winner will get the number one overall seed in the tournament. Um, now, want to read off here real quick. Um, so you know after you have the Nine AQs. You have eight automatic, uh, or eight auto bids, right? Um, or no, at large bids. Excuse me, eight at large bids. Now, how does the NCAA selection committee pick these teams? Here's straight out of the pre-championship manual. Which, if you go to lacrossebucket.com, our bracketology 1.0 preview, we have linked in there uh, that manual where you can go and read. Uh, on the you know selection process, all of that. So the and this is reading from the article here verbatim. The NCAA selection committee picks teams for at large bids and seeds in the tournament. According to the committee, they consider a multitude of things. The committee looks at record, strength of schedule index based on which that is um, you know a team's record, you know, based on uh, the team's 10 highest-rated games. 
OPI results, average OPI wins and losses, head-to-head results, obviously, record against ranked teams. So what is your record against teams ranked 1 through 5, 6 through 10, 11 to 15, 16, 20, so on and so forth. Significant wins and losses, location of games, so neutral site versus home and away games, uh, results versus common opponents. So, for instance, Maryland beat uh, Virginia. Virginia beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Maryland. It's, it's a little circle there, right there at the top. So, so that would be an example of that. Oh, and by the way, any polls don't matter. It's all RPI based when we talk about your you know, rankings of wins. It's all based on RPI, which I don't think is necessarily maybe the best way of doing it. I don't know if going to a net ranking system like they did in basketball would help us, would be better. Um, I think we have to see how that played out first. Now, let's get into the automatic qualifiers right here really quickly. So, as of uh, today, or as of Monday, actually, when I uh, took all these down, here's what the automatic qualifiers would look like. Obviously, some leagues have not played conference games yet, the A-10 and the Big East. And some leagues, there's a tie at the top. So uh, that that in that regard, we are pushing uh, for uh, uh, looking at uh, who has the highest RPI, who has the, the highest record thus far. So we're determining who's your automatic qualifier right now. And, you know, like in the Middle East, there's a tie at the top. <laughs> Bryant has 18 RPI, highest RPI in the conference. They're 2-0, along with, I think, is it Vermont? And then I think uh, so Binghamton's also 2-0, maybe. Um, so Bryant has the highest RPI there in the American East. So they are there at the uh, AQ slot for the American East. For the A-Sun, we have Jacksonville. For the A-10, we have UMass. For the Big East, we have Villanova. For the Big Ten, Maryland. The CAA, we have Delaware. The Ivy League, we have Cornell. The MAC, we have Manhattan. And for the Patriot League, it is Army West Point. And those are, if the tournament started today, your your automatic qualifiers – in the NCAA tournament. Now, getting into the automatic, uh, excuse me, the at-large bids, at-large bids, <laughs> looking here. Uh, so for this episode, for this first edition here, um, uh, in the article, I've listed 16 teams. We're going to push that down to you know, 14, 12 here as the season progresses over the next couple of weeks or so. But here's 16 right now that are like in contention for at-large selections. And again, I think I mentioned this earlier, all of this data is from Monday at noon. So this is before the Villanova-Brown game took place and before the Wednesday night games that, that are going to happen here in the A-Sun and the MAC. So... The uh, top-ranked team in the RPI, 
at the time of collecting this data was Duke. They're 9-1, 2-0 in conference play, 1 RPI, 1 SOS ranks, strength of schedule. Number two is Notre Dame, 6-1, and one, you know, coming off that one loss to Virginia over the weekend. RPI rank at two, strength of schedule rank at three. Virginia is number three, seven and one. Obviously, the one loss being to Maryland. Three RPI rank, a two a uh, rank in strength of schedule. Um, Big Ten, Johns Hopkins, and Big Ten team in Penn State are your next two there, with a six and seven RPI rank. Johns Hopkins has a number four ranking in the strength of schedule, and Penn State has a number 12 rank there in the sense of schedule. Another ACC team here, and actually the last ACC team uh, to, to mention here is North Carolina, 7-3 and three record, 1-1 one and one in, in conference play, 8 RPI, 15 SOS rank there. And, and, and we're getting into kind of the bottom half here, these like last four in, first four out type situation here. Um, Next up here, we have Loyola at 10, RPI, Yale at 11, RPI, Ohio State at 12, RPI, Georgetown has a 13 ranking, Denver 14, Penn 15, Rutgers 16, Boston U, Michigan, Princeton 20, 22, 23. And again, like some of these teams, you know, Boston U could very well win the Patriot get that AQ. Um, and certainly in the Big Ten, we have Maryland pushed there right now as the projected you know, top finisher there. But certainly uh, Penn State, you know, Rutgers, Ohio State there as well, uh, you know, could with Hopkins, you know, in there as well. And, you know, same thing with Patriot League with some of these other Conferences as well, uh, but the only team, the only conference right now, um, and, and moving into here bids per conference, the only conference right now that I think I would say certainly is going to get more than three in is a the ACC. Uh, Duke, Virginia are basically locks as well as Notre Dame. North Carolina is the one team that I would be worried about. If I'm the ACC and I want to get four teams in, they've got Syracuse. Um, I think it's either this weekend. Oh, no, I think Carolina has a – is it this week the week they have a bye week? They've got Syracuse, Notre Dame oh, – excuse me, Syracuse. Then is it Virginia, Notre Dame, Notre Dame? I believe that's the, the remaining schedule. Very tough. They would still – even if they win one of those games, they still end the year with a – winning record, which you need to get in as an uh, at-large selection. But depending on how some other things go in the Big Ten, in the Big East, where is like is there a way they could get three in? I don't know. If the Ivy gets one and the Patriot League gets one and the Big Ten gets, I mean, two, I mean, there's, there's a way for that. Um, Villanova, Denver, and Georgetown. I, I don't know if it's a hundred percent plausible, but you know, never say never. Um, again, plausible, probably not. You know, we'll see. Uh, Big Ten looks like they're going to get three in at this point. That would be Maryland, um, and, and then 
who do I have down here? Um, Johns Hopkins and the other team here, Penn State. Um, all get in in that regard. And then Ohio State is, is kind of the team. And Rutgers, um, surprisingly, kind of on the outside looking in. I think Rutgers in in their respect, you're seven and two. You've got the loss to Army. You've got the loss to Ohio State. They can very well um and I think the I think the the gap between Maryland and Rutgers is a lot closer this year. I'm excited for that one there April sixteenth. I think that's gonna tell us a lot, uh, potentially about how this thing goes. And Look, Rutgers, they've got Hopkins this weekend, a, a, a big Big Ten battle there. Two teams that, you know, Rutgers, Ohio State, Penn State, I think are kind of right now sitting there, and, and, and even Hopkins as well. You know, I think Maryland's probably the only team that is a shoe-in um, for, for the tournament right now that you can definitively say, like, they will be there. Hopkins is, is a close second. And I think when it's all said and done, Rutgers is probably going to be in there. That's the one team that I have out right now that I really think is going to be there when it's all said and done. Now, back to the, uh, you know, bids by conference here. Um, Patriot League, one or two. Ivy League, one or two. Um, And I've had some people uh, discuss with me the past couple of days, you know, since we released this. This is Tanner. The, the, the Ivy League is getting to Cornell and Penn State. It, it's possible. It's possible, and I would agree that right now, Cornell and Princeton are looking the best of the bunch. I would agree with that. We have Princeton out right now, um, and we actually have, you know, Yale is the, uh, the, the second team in right now. They are the very last team in at this point. They continue to play the way they're playing. They're, they're not getting in. And even if they do continue playing, uh, even if they turn things around, I think the two losses there to Cornell and Princeton, and let's say they pick up another one um, to, to to Brown or whoever it is, Penn this weekend, they're going to have to – if they pick up a third one in Ivy League play, they're probably going to have to win the Ivy – tournament get that AQ if they want to get in. Um America East, A Sun, A10, CAA, Mac all have one teams in at this point in time. Um last four in mentioned Yale is the like, absolute last team in there. Loyola, North Carolina, Penn State also in that camp. I think probably the most Probably the safest team in that camp right now is Penn State. Um, when you look at their resume, when you look at who they've beaten and also what they have coming up, I think Penn State on Saturday against Maryland, you really saw like it, it wasn't that they were holistically, what was the final there? 13 um, 11, 13, something like that. It, it wasn't 13 10, maybe. It wasn't that I don't think Penn State is as far behind Maryland as that score may have shown, but Penn State had a lot of self-inflicted wounds they couldn't overcome. If Penn State can play the way that we've seen them play throughout this season, and if they can get 
to, I mean, if, if you beat uh, Hopkins, if you beat Rutgers, I think it's it's a shoe-in. That shoe-in that I, I believe they're probably going to beat Michigan. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a shoe-in there if you beat those two teams. And, and even maybe an Ohio State win, um, you, you know, sub an Ohio State win for a loss in either of those two games. North Carolina, Loyola, Yale, I think are all very uh, – North Carolina right now is pretty safe. Loyola and Yale are the two teams that are in right now that I would absolutely say I do not believe are going to be there when it's all said and done. Like on Selection Sunday, I would not be surprised if Loyola isn't there. I would not be surprised if Yale isn't there as at-large bids. The only way the, – the trajectory those teams are, are on right now the only way that I see them getting in when it's all said and done is via the at, um, automatic qualifying both. Now, the first four out in this tournament right now, we have Ohio State, Georgetown, Denver, and Penn. And now, I think of these teams, Honestly, right now it's difficult to see any of them making it as at large as at larges based on their resumes and based on what they've done so far. I think Georgetown probably has the best chance. They seem like they've turned a corner. They've been playing very good lacrosse. They've won the past four games. They've got a big game against Denver this weekend. That's going to determine uh, more or less, the the Denver game and the Villanova game, they win both of those, and they've got the number one seed in the Big East. Uh, again, those three right there are, are who are fighting for the Big East title. I think Villanova's like based the resume right now. Villanova is a lot better. Uh, the loss against Brown on Tuesday. Me on Monday seemed to me kind of be a typical Villanova loss, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I think they, I think they're going to bounce back from that for sure, and I think they are going to uh, give both Denver and Georgetown all they want in the Big East this year. This could be Villanova's year for sure, um, and, and I, and I do think if Villanova beats Georgetown, beats Denver in the regular season wins the uh, AQ, I, I, I have a hard time seeing both or, or one of the other of Georgetown and Denver making it in. Ohio State's interesting. Ohio State's interesting. Big win on Sunday against uh, Rutgers in that game. There's the best game they've played all season. Skylar Whalen was phenomenal in cage. Bobby Van Buren was fantastic shutting down. Ross Scott, if Ohio State continues to play like they did on Sunday, and, and mind you, Drew Blanchard has not been playing the past couple of games for them. Um, believe he didn't play the Denver game. Don't believe he played. He didn't play on Sunday, and I know that for sure. Um, they've got a date with Penn State this weekend, in-state college, in Happy Valley. They've got Maryland, Hopkins, Michigan after that. So they've got a tough stretch here. And I said on Sunday's show, I think the Big Ten is probably the best league in terms of competitiveness this season. 
And if that turns out to be true, I could see any number of scenarios pop up in terms of who's making it in this uh, out of this league as at-large uh, contenders. Penn, the you know, for the you know last team out in this one, um, they've got a lot of ground to make up. They've got a lot of ground to make up. And we've got Yale this weekend. The Yale win would not look as good as it it it, it has in you know numerous years, or even if it would have were to happen in previous weeks. Yale, I think, when it's all said and done, is still going to have like good statistical numbers, like offensively and all of that. They're still going to look pretty good, and like on paper, they're going to look decent, but. They're just, it's, I think we have to wrestle with the fact of maybe Yale isn't exactly who they have been in the past this season. Um, and, and that could, um, you know, come back to hurt in, in some way, shape, or form the Ivy League as a whole in terms of these teams that are kind of on the bubble um, in a certain way. So Let's go into the bracket here real quick. And by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see the uh, lacrosse bucket uh, post here. I've put it up, the bracket, putting it up right now uh, here on the uh, YouTube podcast so you can see that uh, with me. So right now I have Delaware and Manhattan, the CAA, Delaware coming out of the CAA, Manhattan coming out of the MAC. As the uh, play-in game, I have Duke as the number one seed. Moving down uh, the, the bracket here, we have North Carolina there as the number eight seed, and we have them playing Yale, the last team in. Number five, Cornell coming out of the Ivy League, playing Loyola there uh, in that one, I have Maryland, the Big Ten AQ, and Bryant, the American East AQ. Maryland as the number four seed. We have number three seed, Virginia, playing uh, an unseeded Jacksonville squad, who is the AQ out of the Atlantic Sun. To uh, And that's the top of the second half of the bracket. Um, number six, we have Johns Hopkins. Have them playing Army out of the Patriot League. Number seven, we have Penn State. Have them playing Georgetown out of the Big East. Number two, Notre Dame playing UMass out of the Atlantic. Ten, um, exactly how things are going to shake out, we don't know. (laughs) And there's certainly still a lot of lacrosse left to be played. Uh, But it, it is going to be interesting no matter what unfolds over the next couple of weeks as we march towards Selection Sunday. Now, moving into kind of a weekend preview here, I want to look at two games on the docket this weekend. And um, the, the the first one here is going to be, and we'll look at this game just kind of briefly here, uh, Brown and Princeton. So this one is going to be, what time is this one at? This is on Saturday at 1 p.m. Brown at Princeton. This game, I think, is very interesting. So Brown has gotten those seven uh, seniors who were suspended. They are now back. 
and Brown is coming off a Monday night win over Villanova. They beat them 13-11. to Connor Thilio had 22 saves in that game to anchor a Brown defense. They held the Wildcats to just four goals in the second half. Uh, Devin McLean had six points off three goals and three assists in that contest. Griffin King had two goals and two assists. Trevor Yaboa Cody had two ground balls. Logan Path had a had a goal as well, launching it from 57 yards to break the Villanova 10-man ride. All of those guys were previously suspended back on Monday night. And Brown seems to have hit this thing running on Monday night and getting a really good win there. Uh, Matt Gunty is out in, uh, or at least went out this game. He went, what do you win? The first four, went three or four in the, in the first uh, four face-offs and then is hit late in the second um, second quarter, I believe it is. Leaves the field and does not return for Brown in this game. Uh, and look, well, Brown has guys coming back. Princeton has us wondering who is going to be back for them. So you look at Princeton's roster, and it's kind of depleted right now. Um, in terms of who's playing. So Alex Slusher was out uh, on Saturday. Uh, Brendan Saris hasn't played since the Maryland game. He started those first three games on attack. There's a number of guys here that have not played um, in a while here for the Tigers or, or haven't played in a couple of weeks for the Tigers. Uh, Pace Billings has been out. Jacob Stobner has stepped in there and been a pretty good asset there on the back end in his absence. Um, and then at the faceoff dot, Tyler Sandoval took a hit in the game on Saturday against Yale um, and did not return in that one. I don't believe he did. Uh, yeah, he did not return. Took the first two faceoffs and did not return in that one. Kobe Gendo has been um, you know, on Saturday. Took over, went 15-14. And then Andrew McMeekin went three for two in that game as well. So the faceoff battle, the faceoff dot situation for both teams looking kind of iffy. Um, I think Princeton, though, is in a better spot with both Gender and McMeekin as very solid uh, backup options there. Um, now, I will say, um, yesterday, Dash, Dash Soch, um very good for Brown, 13 for 18 at the dot. Uh, they uh, played very well in that contest. Um, Justin Coppola for Villanova also went out in that game as well in, in the second quarter. Um, I believe I said Gunty went out in the second quarter. Gunty went out in the first, Coppola in the second. So uh, a lot of faceoff guys injured yesterday in that game. Um, and so you've got that aspect going on with both these teams at the dot. And Brown, we talked about guys coming back, Devin McLean back. This offense looked like it was filing on all cylinders on Tuesday night. And I think this team is going to be motivated coming into this Princeton game, wanting to get a win there, wanting to say, make a statement and say, hey, this is who we should have been the past month. We couldn't do that because we weren't here. And so I think these seven seniors being back now, 
I, that's going to have a big impact for Brown the rest of the season. I'm not saying they're going to go on a run like they did last year, but I do think it's something to watch with Brown and exactly what they're going to be able to do here to close out this season. Uh, they, they've got Pe- after Princeton, they've got Penn, they've got Yale, they've got Cornell, they've got a Tuesday game at Bryant uh, there where they'll be playing for uh, the Ocean State Cup, and then they end the season at Dartmouth. Let's say they beat uh, you know, Princeton and then one of Penn, Yale, Cornell. That's a good slate for them <laughs> right there. And then assuming they can get a win there over Dartmouth, although I don't think a Dartmouth win is a necessarily one that you just kind of check the box off of this season after what they did to Harvard over uh, the weekend. So that's a very interesting aspect of this game with Brown. Now, Princeton also is very interesting for me in terms of their trajectory heading to the final bits of the season here. Now, remember, Princeton opened the season with uh, really a, 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 a tough a, a tough look for them. They beat Monmouth, obviously. They beat Manhattan in a game where they have to come back in the second half there. And then they lose 11-5 to Maryland, 13-10 to Georgetown, 14-13 in OT against Rutgers, and then 9-8 in the Ivy League opener to Penn uh, two weeks ago. And I and we had said, I had said each of these weeks, it looks like they're getting better. It looks like they're improving. And they've got Michael Ginefacaro in cage now. They've settled that debate. He's the starter. He's the guy. You've got a guy, Colton McAsee, who went off over the weekend against Yale, eight goals to assist, scored the first five goals of the game. I mean, he had an absolute outstanding performance there and like he's a guy all his shots are usually from around like that same kind of point that that left side about 10 yards out but they're all different shots like he's such a dangerous shooter such a dangerous playmaker there for Princeton and like let's not forget this is a Princeton team last year that while they did start a lot better than they did this year also got better as the season went on, which is what you want to see. And also got better. Like they had guys injured. Um, I believe last year wasn't it uh, Ben Fenway who who went down um, for a bit. I know they had a number of different guys that were in and out of the rotation uh, on defense last season throughout the year. And by the time the end of the season came, even though they didn't make the Ivy League tournament, and they worked on this a lot in that off season, me, in that off week, when they weren't in the Ivy tournament and then awaiting to you know, see if they make the tournament, which they do make the NCAAs, and they put up that performance there against Boston U. They make that championship weekend run. Um, again, like is Princeton going to make that kind of run that they had last year late late in the season here? I, I'm not so certain, certain, and I wouldn't necessarily sit here and say definitively because we can't, that Princeton is going to be able to make a run here late, just like we can't with Brown, just like we can't with you know, any team. But they've got Brown this weekend. They've got Syracuse next weekend. They've got at Dartmouth 
against Hollywood at home, and they end the season at Cornell. The two most important games for them, I, I would say probably the two toughest games for them, are going to be Brown and Cornell. Are, are going to be probably the two toughest games. And then I would add maybe Syracuse in there next, Harvard Dartmouth. They've got a good schedule here to end the season. Um, and, and if they can get, you know, they, they already beat Yale. If they can beat Cornell, if they can beat Brown, like they're going to be able to give, to play themselves into a number one seed in the Ivy League tournament, given all, like, given everything else goes the way they want it to without their, um, without their control. And again, I mentioned, you know, Colton McAsee, Vidalo, Ronda, uh, Luke Stott got his first start last week and, and had two goals. Sean Cameron, two goals, one assist. I mean, you've got guys like Jake Stevens that can just run for days. They've got a great stable of horses there uh, in New Jersey. And, and look, Princeton, this could be their, their turning point. Uh, it could also be Brown's turning point. So I think this game is very important for both of these teams. And yes, it's a conference game, so they're all important. But right now, both of these teams kind of feel like they're at an, at an inflection point in their seasons. It can go one way. It can go the other way. And they both want it to go up. And uh, Saturday is going to be a big part of determining or, or helping to determine possibly the trajectory of the uh, final few weeks, final month. I should say, for these teams. Now, the last game I want to – well, I, I actually look at, we'll mention this game real quick because we're not going to get to it on Thursday. Yale and Penn. Yale and Penn. So Penn is coming off the loss to Cornell, and Yale is coming off the loss to Princeton. I think this is an interesting game as well. Certainly, there's a lot of lacrosse to be played, as we've talked about at length today. But for I feel like this is a bigger game for Yale because Yale has been atrocious against Cornell, against Princeton. They cannot play atrociously on Saturday. When you look at Yale's schedule, their, their, their schedule always works out um, to, to, to be – the same. If you don't know, the Ivy League pretty much has the same schedule for, for a number of years, and it is you know Cornell, Princeton, Penn. That's who Yale starts with. That's a that that's as tough as an opening schedule almost every year. Like those are always teams that are very good, as you can find in the Ivy League. They've get, then got Boston U on Tuesday of next week. And we know Boston U beat Harvard, and we know Boston U wants to get back at Yale um, for last season. Boston U lost to every team that was an Ivy League team and Army. Like, those are the only teams they lost to. Ivy League teams, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, and Army. Um, so they want to get back at that one, and I think Boston U very well can get back and uh, get back a win in that one as well, they've got Dartmouth-Brown and then end at Harvard. Um, and like I said, Dartmouth is not as much of a, you know, just kind of, we're going to win that one. It, 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 you can't check that off right now. Brown, uh, you can't check that off either. 
Harvard, you can't check that off either. Albany is the only game on the, the rest of the schedule here for Yale that I would definitively say is a win. Dartmouth, I think they're better than, and I think they should beat. But if their defense plays like trash again, and their defense is trash this season, it's going to be difficult to beat any of these teams remaining on their schedule. And when you're looking at at a Penn team that's got a guy like Sam Hanley, the offense seems like it's beginning to figure itself out with the absence of Gagar. Ben Smith played well. You've seen a lot of guys step up here. James Shipley. The defense has always been pretty good. You know, that's going to be a tough one for Yale to win on Saturday. And and it's one, you know, I don't want to say it's a must-win game here, but 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 it kind of is. And honestly, when you start going to league play, you play as bad as they have. Every game the rest of the season is a must-win for Yale. Now, in regard to Penn, you mentioned their offense getting better, and I think it is. I think it's figuring itself out without Gagal there, we saw Hanley have a good day there against Cornell. The Big Red, simply just better than Penn. As I said on Saturday, simply just better. Um, better in every regard. I mean, Cornell is the top team in the Ivy League for a reason they're playing like it. If you're Penn, you've got Yale this weekend. You're at Brown, at Harvard, Dartmouth, and Albany it is how you end the season. Yale, Brown, Harvard. You and Dartmouth, Penn can realistically win all four of those games. And you beat Princeton in overtime. You lost to Cornell the way they did. Penn very much, very well could win the rest of their league games and win that game against Albany. I think the Brown game is probably going to be the toughest of the bunch if we're looking at how teams are playing right now and then probably Harvard and Dartmouth. Uh, but like they can win each of those games. And especially if you get Sam Hanley in this offense going like we know they can go, Cam Rubin, Shipley, all these guys, if you get them going at peak capacity, get them going at the level they were going at late last season, Penn, we've seen from years, years and years, is as dangerous as anybody. And they're, 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 they're well-tested, they're battle-tested, this is a dangerous team to play down the stretch every single year um, and, and has been for quite some time under Mike Murphy. Now, the last game I want to mention here. So, uh, mention it like, I want to start this like this. Um, does, can anyone tell me, and I believe we did this last season as well, can anyone tell me the record of Duke? Versus Virginia since 2004. 21-2. and two. Duke's beaten Virginia 21 times and lost twice to Virginia since 2004. Now, Donowski gets there in, was it 2006, I believe it was? Make sure I'm correct on that. Um, 2006 was it? Because you had the whole Duke lacrosse scandal. He comes in after that. And yeah, um, after 2006. So 2007 is Donowski's first year there in Durham. 
So under Danowski, they're like twenty and two, um, or nineteen and two, something like that. And um, Danowski has never lost to Virginia in the regular season. Because I mentioned those two losses there, we can name those two losses. We very much can name those two losses. 2010 ACC Tournament, RIP, um, and then 2019 NCAA Semifinals, fantastic game. Those are the only two losses Duke has to Virginia since 2004. I don't know what it is. They just can't beat Duke. They just can't. Um, you know, this, the, the, you know, last season, you saw a, a Duke team who was you know, on their way to uh, would eventually miss the NCAA tournament. But I thought the Virginia win, they beat them 17-8. to I very much thought, and many others did as well, coming out of that game on Holy Thursday, Duke is is on track to make the tournament because of this win. Um, and th- th- that ends up not being the case. Now, this time, that one was in Durham. This time around, the Cavaliers welcoming the Blue Devils. Uh, there, Virginia coming off the 15-10 win over Notre Dame and South Bend. Duke coming off the 12-9 win over St. Joseph's. Best defensive performance for Duke this season. Uh, Kenny Brower helping hold Levi Anderson off the board. Uh, you had Wilson Stevenson was all over the place there as well. Matt Bomer also did not register a goal in that game either I'm really going to be interested to see like we know Duke's defense has improved this season I think this is this is the game where Duke can show I think offensively we've seen this team come together defensively we've seen the improvements I think for me that's what I'm looking at mostly with Duke in this game because we saw them play play that way against Loyola we saw that against North Carolina. We saw that against St. Joseph's. And granted, the offense wasn't as fantastic against St. Joe's. More of a defensive battle there. But still, the defense has been pretty good. If they can put up a performance like that, and I'm not saying you have to hold Virginia to, to, to five goals or eight goals or whatever, like you did a year ago. But if Duke can pop off like they did, last year, like we've seen them do at times this year, that, for me at least, is going to solidify their standing among the top teams. Right now, I think it's a, a Notre Dame, Maryland, Virginia kind of top tier, and I think Cornell and Duke are right there with them. Those are the two teams you don't hear as much about in that top tier, but they're right there with them. And the way those two have played so far shows me nothing other than that is unequivocally fact. That is Unequivocal fact. Prove to me, Duke, on Friday night that 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 is a fact. And I think even if Duke loses this in overtime, even if they lose by one or two goals, that would still prove to me they belong in that top tier because they hung with Virginia for sixty plus minutes, right? For Virginia, I, I think one of the biggest things that we're going to come into with this game, is the face-off dot. Jake Naso, P.D. Lasala. Very excited to see that matchup. Lasala's gone. 60, or 58%. Naso's gone. 65% this season. Obviously, we can talk about the Duke offense. Actually, the uh, Duke defense versus the Virginia offense. And can Duke's defense keep it up here? 
I think you can say the same for the, you know, vice versa. For Virginia's defense, and I, I think this is a good test for Matthew Nunes. This is another good test for him. Can he continue? Like, we know what Casanova and those guys are going to do. They're going to play their best. We know what Soliday, those guys, the rope unit, are going to do. Can Matthew Nunes hold up in this one? I believe William Helm can for Duke. Uh, I believe William Helm can for Duke. Matthew Nunes for Virginia. Uh, that that's one that that's a question, and it's certainly been a question. His consistency, his ability from one game to the next to consistently put up big performances. That's been the one maybe glaring weakness with Virginia this year, and even last season, uh, a consistent weakness outside of injuries. So this is going to be a battle here, Duke and Virginia. I do not expect a blowout at all like last season. I expect a similar game to what we've seen from these two teams in the past. I expect a game that will show you this is a game between top five teams, very much so, and I'm picking Duke to win this contest. The streak is going to continue. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.